0: Last week, we talked about being a transformer instead of a conformer. And we, as we try to follow the example of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ to follow in his footsteps. When Jesus was here on earth, he gave us, he gave us kind of a a ministry roadmap for us to follow in first John two six. It says, it tells us that Jesus knew what was in a man. He knew it was in a man so he could speak to people's hearts. He, he, he could speak to where they would understand. To fishermen, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. We talked about that. He didn't, talk to vine, he didn't talk about vines and seeds and branches. The first time he talked to fishermen, he said, I will make you fishers of men. It's something they could understand. This series, as we follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Paul, Paul one of the people that we really respect, he, he echoes this theme. When he says in first Corinthians chapter 11 and verse one, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. He wants us to follow his example earlier in chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. He says this. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. And what was Jesus Christ's example? Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. We find, we find Jesus' example. One way in Philippians chapter two, in verse three through seven, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant. So you you have that example of Jesus Christ willing to sacrifice himself, willing to give of himself for the salvation of others. And Paul tries to follow in his footsteps as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses uh, verses 19 through 23, it says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Listen, to win as many as possible to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews to those under the law. I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law to those who those not having the law, I have I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from god 's law, but am under christ 's law, so as to win those not having the law to the weak, I become weak to win the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that all by all possible means hear what he 's saying here? By all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. Paul was willing to sacrifice his social comfort. He was willing to go out of his way, sacrifice his social comfort, and adjust the way he lived so that he could then reach out to people who didn't know Jesus Christ. He didn't say, you know, this is the way I live. If you you want to know Christ, then you have to do what I do and say what I say and act the way I act, live the way I live. He was willing to go and try to understand other people who didn't know Christ. He was willing to leave his comfort zone You know, so many of us don't want to leave our comfort zone. We want to stay in our comfort zone. But Paul was willing to leave his comfort zone. He was willing to adapt to his environment so that he would have an opportunity. He was willing to try to fit in so he'd have an opportunity to share God's truth, to share the love of Jesus Christ with other people. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be willing to step out of our comfort zone We need to be willing to try to, I'm not saying compromise here. Paul, Paul never compromised. And that's extremely important. He never compromised That You know, I try to do all these things, become like this person to win this person, become like that person. He would try to adapt to different people's environments. He tried to leave his comfort zone. He did all of those things. But what he didn't do was compromise. He would not compromise the word of God. He would try to find out different people try to understand them. And then he would try to fit in and and get opportunity to share the love of Christ. He was willing to study. He was willing to learn and to relate to other people so that he could better share God's truth with them. So he would adapt. You know, in the church, the good thing about the church is there are a lot of people here with a lot of different personalities, a lot of different skills, a lot of different abilities. You know, I I personally would be very difficult for me to study up on you work at P&G or you work at GE or you work in your small business or you have this or you do this. It'd be hard for me to kind of study up on that culture to try to reach that culture. Procter and Gabriel has its own culture. GE has its own culture. Your small business has its own culture. What you do in school, they have their own culture. It'd be difficult for one person to do that. Paul tried to become all things to all men. He took the time. It was his whole existence. He tried to study culture. He tried to understand people. He went into an area and he tried to understand their particular how they did things. So that he could share the love of Jesus Christ in an effective way. But he did not compromise. See, remember we said a couple weeks ago, Jesus knew what was in a man talk about that this morning again, Jesus knew it was in a man so he could speak to his listeners right to their hearts. He could speak to the heart of his listener. Paul did not have that ability. He's not God. Paul didn't know what was going on in a person's heart. He didn't know what was going on in their past, what happened to them in their past, unless someone pointed it out to him, unless he got into a relationship and built a relationship and they shared that with him. He didn't have that. Jesus had the ability to look into a person's heart and speak right to a person's heart. Paul had to study a person's culture. He had to connect. He had to build relationship. Remember Paul in Athens? Remember what it says in Acts chapter 17, 22 to 34? Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Listen to this. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown. I'm going to proclaim to you the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that man should would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Listen to this. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You see right there. And if you don't study a culture, if you don't understand the culture, you're not going to start quoting poets of that particular culture. You have to understand the culture, he says, as some of your own poets have said, so now he 's entering in. they say, "Hey, this guy knows us a little bit. He understands how we think and what, and, and he understands our writings. therefore, since we are god 's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man 's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Paul related to them and tried to gain their respect and their trust. But how did he try to gain their respect and their trust by saying you have to know my language and understand me? And here's the way I'm going to tell you. And you've got to figure out my you know how I would lay it out. No, he gains their trust and respect by relating to them. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. When you understand someone's culture. When you try to speak their language, I'm not just talking about French or German or whatever else, but, you know, you're, when you go into an environment, if you go into a group of skaters, for example, skateboard guys or whatever, they have a certain language. If you go into a different group within a school environment, each group has a little bit of a little different language that you have to learn. Everyone, you ever start texting? I text, but I'm, I'm not like some of you people can t- move your thumb so fast. It's like mind-boggling. But I'll get a text sometimes, and I'll have to. What are these letters? What, what are they? What are they saying? I finally got LOL after a while. It's like, oh, laugh out loud. Okay, um, I got that one down. But there's there's different language depending on a person's culture and understanding. And, and Paul would try to speak their language. When you try to sacrifice to meet other people's needs, it builds respect. Listen, you earn the right to be heard. You earn the right to be heard. That's what we need to do. We need to earn the right to be heard. When you're, when you're in your work environment, you're in school environment, when you're in your neighborhood, wherever it is, you try to build and connect with people just like Paul did. Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is the way Jesus lived. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Paul's just following in his footsteps the only difference is a lot of differences, but one of them is like I said Jesus knew what was going on in people's hearts. So he could just point out and say, "Yeah, I know you 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 dealt with this when you were younger or you had this experience, you had that. He knew what was going on." Paul needed to engage, and that's what he was doing. He was engaging, building relationships. If we want to influence the people around us, we need to understand them, not always be like them. Again, I'm going to say that again. There's a difference. Between understanding them and engaging where you can engage and taking the gifts and abilities that you have and connecting with them, understanding them, not being like them. But we engage where we see opportunity and there's opportunity everywhere, everywhere. Everyone was designed so that you would find those opportunities. Now, I could talk about this again all 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 morning long, but I want to a lot of you have been saying, well, tell me how. You know, in our men's Bible study at seven o'clock, men would be saying, well, t- you know, I-, I need to know the hows here. Tell me how. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to introduce you to some people at Grace Chapel who are using the gifts and abilities and talents that God has given them to impact their community and to impact the lives of the people around them. Remember, we said that, you know, there's no such thing as secular in a biblical worldview. If something is, is not sinful, by definition, it's what? Right, exactly. If it's not sinful, it's sacred. Okay, so look at the opportunities that we have, even in this room, as God gives us different gifts and talents and abilities. Now, I want to introduce you to some people um, this morning who uh, who are living out that truth in their own lives, and I'm going to kind of interview them a little bit because I want to show you I want to show you some specific examples of what I'm talking about. You guys want to sit right over here? Yeah. Gonna sit this way so I can face you. Uh, the first is Grace Hart. This is Grace. Um, First, tell us about yourself
1: and a little bit about your background. Okay. Mm Hi. Um. I am. Um. Let's see. Um. I was. I was born in Korea and raised in California, went to the University of Pennsylvania, um, got my bachelor's in economics from the Wharton School of Business, got hired by Procter & Gamble, moved to Cincinnati, which was a big step. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Came here, um, met my wonderful husband, um, left P&G to pursue a degree in music at the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, um, to become a music teacher, which has always been my lifelong dream. in the midst of my music degree, I started having three children, and, um, and I was also getting my teaching certification so that I really, what I wanted to do was I wanted to teach. I wanted to teach music. I wanted to teach math. Um, as my kids got older, um, I began teaching in the school that they, was at, that they were at and um, began using some um, some gifts that God had given me in music and theater particularly that i had been involved in since high school um to kind of reach young children young kids
0: tell us about that how how did god specifically use now that you've had that experience how did god use those gifts to
1: impact the people around you absolutely um i i did my first show when i was 14 years old in high school and um was hooked by theater because it gave you an opportunity it gave children kids of all ages and abilities um an opportunity to perform, feel good about themselves, accomplish something. Um, and then when my kids started going to a small Christian school, I took that love of performing, of music, of theater, and I began teaching. I taught a drama class, I started a choir, I produced their, directed their first musical. Um, and what I found, these kids for the first time had an opportunity to do something that could use skills that God had given them and really be able to feel comfortable in front of people, um, doing things that they'd never done before. Um, I wrote an article for that school about why you should do theater. And the article was about theater creates community. And when you all work for something together, especially for a task that seems nearly impossible, because the very first musical I directed, there were 24 students from the 7th grade through the 12th grade in the school. And we did a musical with 41 kids in it, um, and they never, you know, of which two people had ever been on stage and doing something like that created a, a goal for the kids. They learned to work together. They learned to think beyond themselves. They learned to trust God for something that they had no idea how to do. Um, it was an amazing experience and, and that led me to eventually, I, um, I, I stopped teaching and I created, um, a, a community theater. It's called Cincinnati Christian Community Theater. I started it about eight years ago to give it. Kids, an opportunity, high school kids mostly, an opportunity to perform in an environment where they are, are safe, mm-hmm. where they're not going to be asked to do things that are inappropriate, where they, they're going to be around other Christians. But it was not necessarily for Christians. It was run, in, uh, we run it with Christian values. We run it like we, you would want to run a Christian business. But we don't make it Christian because we wanted to attract non-Christians. Mm-hmm. And so when we first started it years ago, it was almost all Christians. It was kids from the Christian schools. And mm-hmm. then we started, the better we got, the better our performances mm-hmm. were, and the community started seeing an outstanding performance. Kids really were attracted to come. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that because it's good. Oh, okay, right. so it's Christian. It doesn't matter. I want to be a part of it because it's good. Amen. And um, over the last three or four years, we've had some amazing Success. We've had an amazing impact on some kids. I mean, I could tell you story after story of kids that were just beaten down um, emotionally um, by the, the environments they were in, by the theater programs they were involved in, and just felt horrible and how they were able to come make friends. They were able to be encouraged. The kids come and they're challenged. They work harder than they probably ever have worked before, but then they come out of that going, Wow, I've worked hard and we've accomplished this. And look what we were able to do. Um, just last night, um, I did a show this past summer. It was called Broadway Show And half That's the really kids good. have gone off to college. And, and kids are all over. Th- I mean, I had kids from 14 different schools. And they had to get together last night over Thanksgiving because college kids were home and they all want ice skate Because they, they d- want to see each other. Because they built relationships that they want to continue. Not just, oh, we've done a show and we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's an amazing situation. It gives you an opportunity to talk to kids um, because this is obviously their passion. Um, This is their area that they love to do. They perform, and they don't get a lot of Christian influence in theater. There's a lot of non-Christian influence there. And there's absolutely a way to do an excellent production and not have to compromise who you are. Amen. Well, tell us how other people can get – how these folks can get involved in what you're doing. Well, right now we're in the midst of uh, producing The Sound of Music, um, which we'll be performing at the end of January. And um, this is our first production that we've ever done that includes adults. And we made that choice because of the show. The Sound of Music is a unique show that can have adults as well as young kids in it. And what we decided to do was target families. What we really – I mean, our family – this is what our family does. I have three, uh, two boys and a little girl. She's not little anymore. She's 15. <laughs> and my husband, and we always tell people, well, this is what our family does in the summertime. You go on vacation, we do a show. And so my husband helps build it. My kids are in it. I, pred- you know, and what we've done for this show is we've allowed adults and kids to try out. And so we have seven different families that are involved parents and kids or dads dancing with their daughters um i mean we just have mothers and little kids in the show it's just been a really really neat opportunity and for some of these adults it'll be the only opportunity they ever have to perform with their kids and what a memory they're creating for themselves
0: amen amen so you want to be involved you talk to grace all right this is chuck palfitt a lot of you know chuck already but um uh, Chuck, you started a uh, organization called At Work On Purpose. Tell us why you started the organization and how God has really I- impacted the marketplace through uh, the efforts that you put in. Well, good morning, first of all. Uh,
2: perhaps unlike many of you here who may have grown up in the church, I didn't. I started uh, exploring religion when I got out of uh, college, and it was a new world for me. You know, I I'm sure... It's, it's a hard thing to imagine sometimes if, if you've just been completely separated from a faith perspective. But when I was graduating from Harvard and coming out into the marketplace, my whole perspective on life was my job. So my my work at Harvard was about getting a good job so I could make more money, so that I could retire with a lot of resources, so that I could then go do something fun, right? <laughs> I mean, I, the, the hard truth is you never take a test on that, but we're kind of programmed for that line of thinking. And I was simply living out – Uh, a pre-programmed destiny for myself that had been defined by the world, but not by God. Mm -hmm. And so I found as I got out of Harvard and started at Procter & Gamble, where I also used to work, on toilet paper, that I was suddenly not fulfilled. (laughs) I don't know if some of you can relate to this, but do you remember, uh, maybe in high school or college, you had all these ambitions or aspirations for a career and what that would look like. You know, the way that you could make a difference in the world or how you could uh, change things for the better, make your mark, whatever. That's what I expected. What I actually got was the reality of uh, selling four rolls of toilet paper, um, Paper pulp prices going up. We couldn't take a price increase. So the projects I was working on were things like taking sheets off of rolls of toilet paper, winding them more loosely so they looked as big as they were before the sheet count reduction.
1: I noticed um, that.
0: I
2: noticed. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Consumer Reports did an article on it. They call it the incredible shrinking roll. <laughs> This is my world. And by the way, uh, for those who, who work at P&G, this was not illegal or anything. It was just not my cup of tea. Uh, so all of a sudden, my work was triggering this incredible sense of dissatisfaction. And I didn't know what to fill it with. And I didn't have a faith perspective to, to lend any perspective. And so a still small voice said to me, as perhaps it, it has to many of you in different ways over the years, you know, Chuck, you really need to figure out what work you were created for, because that's where you're going to find fulfillment in your work life. Now, for me, that took me down a 10-year road of exploring the world's religions and philosophies, and so I found myself coming to Christ as a 30-something young professional. And, oh, by the way, absolutely stunned to discover as a new Christian that the local church in general does not focus on our faith lives at work. You know, we tend to go to church on Sunday and work on Monday. We have lots of ministry programming that's mm-hmm. before 9 a.m. or after 5 p.m. But what about mm-hmm. where most of you mm-hmm. spend most of your waking hours? Where is that? At work. At work. Why wouldn't we look at work as a critical arena for spiritual contribution? Because if it's not sinful, it's sacred. sacred right. So work is actually worship. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that we take that seriously, we suddenly have a commissioning mm-hmm. in our jobs that takes us beyond a career to a calling. So without belaboring a lot of details, At Work on Purpose was born out of the idea that God has a purpose for every one of us at work. Mm-hmm. You know, and that spark was triggered for me at this local church at Grace Chapel. When Jeff, you were preaching out of the purpose driven life by Rick Warren, and you were asking the question of us what will be our unique contributions to the great commandment and the great commission in our lifetimes? And the light bulb went off for me what would it look like to live out the great commandment and the great commission in the context of work? And so, at work on purpose is a ministry to everyday working Christians born out of that, born out of this local church, which was started in two thousand three and as we go into next year, which will be our tenth anniversary, has grown to become the largest citywide marketplace ministry in the country mm-hmm. by far. I don't know if you guys know that, but Born Out of This Church is a marketplace ministry with over five thousand people actively involved just in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm.
0: Amen. Well, tell us how people get involved, because that's what we want to do, make sure people get connected. And also, you know, if you do work for P&G, you, you're, you're at work on purpose, right? I mean, you get in there and <laughs> yeah,
2: you're absolutely clarify that. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in my case, God was calling me out. But you know what? In other cases, he's going to be calling people in. Exactly. My wife works at Procter & Gamble. Yep. Um, getting involved is really easy. First of all, any of you who know me, if you want to stop by and ask me about At Work on Purpose, I'm glad to share the story of what it is and how it works. If you go to the website, Mm atworkonpurpose.org, there's a Contact Us button on there, and emails that come in, we actually have a whole team of people who follow up and then help to place you uh, in different areas or with resources that will help
0: you build a faith life at work. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's awesome. Perfect. All right. Now, here, I want to do something um, as we close out here. Um, I want to do something pretty unique for a church. I don't, I don't know many other churches that have, um, have done this. Um, um, on Wednesday mornings, we have a men's group. It meets at 7 o'clock on Wednesday mornings at, at uh, Kid Coffee here on Tylersville Road. And um, we've been meeting there for, for this year. We've been meeting as a men's group for years. And if you'd like to get involved, if you're a guy and you want to get involved in this, I know 7 a.m. Is, It's it's kind of early, but no other time to do it when it comes to getting you guys to work on time. So we go from 7 to 8-ish, maybe a little over sometimes, but you can leave when you need to. We're going now through the book of First Timothy. So if you would like to be a part of that, meet us up on Tylersville Road, Kid Coffee on Tylersville um, and be a part of that study. But recently I've taken I've taken the uh, group that I have through uh, an ordination paper and an ordination paper is basically what a pastor writes in order for me to get ordained. I had to uh, I had to write an ordination paper. It goes through your theology and then you have to study it and you have to defend your position. And I took uh, our, our men through this ordination paper. And uh, and they they studied and they listened and they learned over the past few months. And now they're ready to be commissioned as marketplace ministers to send people out as ministers of the gospel into the marketplace, just like these two were just talking about. How do you go back into your place of work? How do you go back into your school? Well, these guys are going to go back into their workplace this Monday commissioned as marketplace ministers. I like to ask the guys that are here in this service to come forward and come on up here um, on the stage because we're going to commission you right now. So if you're if you're here, just kind of stand right up here. have a certificate for you and everything. It's like ordination paper. Okay, you hang on your wall, show off a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you first a question, and if you agree, then answer yes. Are you ready to take God's love into your sphere of influence? Will you speak with boldness and live your lives in, in a way that honors Jesus Christ? Will you love and pray for your coworkers in times of difficulty and share with them the way you live? And act that out in your everyday lives. If so, answer yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to read something to you. Paul challenged Timothy with these words in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. And I want to challenge you with the same words. It says this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in his suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to his holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Here's what I'd like you guys to do. If you could go down here now and just line up here in front. Come on down. Just go ahead and just stand there in front. I'm going to go down and if you guys now, as we close out, if you could come forward, we're going to lay hands on these gentlemen. They have, they have gone through this, this, uh, this opportunity on, Sunday, on Wednesday mornings. We have, they've gone through the ordination paper. They've been together for years. Uh, we're commissioning them as marketplace ministers. So I want you to come forward as we close. Come on down. I want you to lay hands on them, and I'm going to pray for them as we commission them as marketplace ministers. As you're coming down and you're surrounding these these gentlemen, um, this is something we take very seriously at Grace Chapel. This isn't just the series we're going through, follow the leader. This is how we live. This is how we live in our church. That every single one of us would be thinking, how can I take the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has given me into my sphere of influence? Whether you're a a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a working dad, um, a, a a high school or junior higher in your school. How do I take the love of Jesus Christ into my sphere of influence and impact their lives? Let's pray over these gentlemen. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for these men. We thank you, Lord God, that they have given of themselves, that they've sacrificed of themselves to learn, to study, to understand your word, to understand what it means to be a minister in the marketplace. So, Father, we pray that you would help them fan into flame the passion that you've put in their hearts to reach out to this world who so desperately needs to hear about you. Father, they're not always going to hear about you in a church. They don't always come here. We, as the body of Christ, need to go out into the world and share the love of your son, Jesus, with everyone we come into contact with. So we commission, Lord God, we lay on hands and we commission these marketplace ministers to go out into the world, To use the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the resource that you have given to them to impact those around them. Lord God, that they would be ministers in wherever they are. When people are hurting, they would pray for them. When people need some spiritual advice, they would offer it. When people need someone just to talk to and share with, they would be the safe people that those within their influence can go to and talk to, and share with, and cry with. Father, we pray that you would use them in a powerful way as we send them out. We pray, dear God, that each one of us, through the coming months and years, would realize what our gifts are. That you would use us as individuals within this body to impact the world around us. Father, Father, with all of our hearts, we pray for power. We pray for wisdom. We pray for discernment. We pray for boldness in their lives as these men go out and share the good news of your son with this world. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Take the time to, you know, greet each other as you're leaving here. Congratulate them and be a part of our be a part of our Wednesday morning men's group. Seven o'clock at the Kid Coffee on Taliesville. Have a great, great week.